The sports play-by-play business has been a male-dominated profession for decades. But in recent times, more female broadcasters have entered the scene, which has been great for all the games. And there's a new rookie in the big leagues that's not only blazing a trail for herself, but providing inspiration to other women interested in doing play-by-play. How a young broadcaster from suburban Atlanta is changing the landscape through hard work and a love for the game. And that's coming up next on this edition of Sports Booth. Everybody and welcome back to this edition of Sports Booth, Episode 22, Women in Play-by-Play. I'm your host, Matt McConnell. For far too long, female broadcasters have been overlooked when it comes to calling sporting events, whether it be on radio or television. They've been told their opportunities lie almost exclusively as sideline reporters or pre- and post-game hosts. They've been offered field hosting roles, but their chances to call play-by-play have been severely limited. Well, the good news is that's all starting to change. These days, more and more women are starting to get hired. And while the numbers of female play-by-play broadcasters is still extremely low, their voices are starting to be heard. You know, one of those pioneers is Susan Waldman, more than 30 years of experience on New York Yankees broadcasts. Included in her tenure was a stretch of seasons calling play-by-play for the Bronx Bombers games on WPIX-TV. And then there are others who have carried the torch. Pam Ward was a fixture for years on ESPN calling college football games. Syracuse alum Beth Mowens has been calling games for just as long and has even made it to the Monday Night Football booth in recent years. Kate Scott, who's done plenty of play-by-play for the Pac-12 networks, called an NHL game during the 2019-20 season in which she was part of an all-female broadcast production group. In 2018, sports broadcasting veterans Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm called a Thursday night NFL game, while baseball voice Jenny Kavnar became the first woman in 25 years to call a Major League Baseball game when she did play-by-play for the Colorado Rockies back in 2015. And speaking of MLB, there's a rookie in Baltimore that's broken ground as well. Melanie Newman did it the old-fashioned way. She worked hard, learned the business, and started her journey in college as an undergraduate student at Troy University. The Troy University Woman of the Year back in 2013, Melanie started like most everyone else in the lower rungs of the minor leagues. There was her time in Mobile, Alabama with the Bay Bears. Then in Texas with Double A Frisco, the Rough Riders. Then off to New England to call games for the Salem Red Sox before landing in Baltimore with the Orioles. She called Olympic Games at Troy, did sideline reporting for various bowl games in college conferences. And get this, she even did sideline reporting for the World Axe Throwing League on ESPN2. You know, her story is not only an interesting one, it's inspirational. One that will impress everyone, including myself, who had a chance to hear more of it recently. Melanie, first off, I got to hear about the World Axe Throwing League. What was that experience like? 
It was, um, it was an absolute blast. And honestly, it's, it's a relationship that I look forward to continuing. Uh, obviously, COVID has changed things. And sideline reporting is something that got wrapped up into a lot of those events, just because our natural job brings us close to the athletes and the fans and sure. uh, trying to limit that this year. But I worked with Tom Cavanaugh on Big South Baseball. He's one of the big ups with Raycom Media. So obviously, they work hand in hand with a lot of ESPN events. And Tom and I had gone back and forth on a few things that just really didn't fit with the baseball schedule, but he came back to me one day and said, okay, well, I've got this event. It's this date. And I thought, oh, okay, I can make that work. And he said, yeah, it's ax throwing. And my brain was like, <laughs> well, am I going to a bar? Like, I, I don't, what do you mean it's ax throwing? Like this seems so one dimensional. They throw the ax, the ax hits the target or it doesn't, that's it. What am I, how am I supposed to flesh out this event any further? Um, but I, you know, you commit because first of all, that paycheck is a major help in paying your bills. Um, and, and I'll never forget. I got down to spring training and it's 78 and it's gorgeous. And we're in Florida. I was there for 36 hours before I had to get on my flight to Canada for the first time we were covering this event. And I landed in Halifax. It was 10 degrees. Oh yeah. Um, I had, I had snow drifts that came up past my shoulder. My (laughs) cell phone didn't work. They don't have Uber. They got rid of it three years ago. So it's taxi only. And it's an hour drive from the airport into the actual city of Halifax. Um, And it was just such a mind blowing experience. That was the first time if you, if you call it international travel for a a sporting event for me. And um, just so lucky that we have all of this access now to media and YouTube and so many videos that I just, I just started watching whatever I could, you know, what do they talk about? What are they focusing on? Where's the finesse? You know, who are the big (laughs) contenders here? Um, And from there, honestly, getting to meet the people that actually compete in ax throwing, they're so wonderful and so amazing. And I actually got to tell somebody this the other day. I said, look, outside of baseball, because obviously that's been my life for 10 years, mm-hmm. actually throwing maybe the most connected to the athletes out of any other sport that I have because they just took me in so readily. You know, they wanted yeah. to not only share their stories, but they wanted to get to know me. So now there's tens of us that are friends on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, they they invite me out to different things. And I haven't gotten to go partake in it yet, but they're, they're such a fun little community. Like, the niche sports and that, that bridged me into covering cornhole this year. Um, but they, they've been a blast. I, um, I want to get right back to the play by play portion of your resume. What was it always your goal to end up doing play by play baseball play by play? No, um, it wasn't even my goal to be a broadcaster. And I think it's important that people understand that because I felt so guilty when I first really started to climb up in this industry that every person around me, knew from the time they were little that they wanted to be a broadcaster. And from the time they were little, they they could pick out different names that stood out to them and that they really grew off of these people and they they mimicked them and, and you know, they picked the sports that they wanted to be in. I was horribly shy, um, could not speak to my class of eight people when I was a freshman in high school. Just it, it mortified me beyond belief. And I found my passion in writing. Journalism was certainly always a strong suit for me. I feel like you see that with brains. They either go math, Mm -hmm. science-based, or they're very much the literary spoken word variety, and I was the latter of that. Sure. Um, So I I found a home there, and I knew I wanted to be around sports. Baseball was certainly that first love for me. It was something that I always wanted to understand more of the actual game and how it proceeded. Um, So I went to Kennesaw State, and then I transferred to Troy University, 
And that was where I had an advisor who said, Hey, I think we want to switch you into broadcasting. Um, we're fortunate that their program is actually two separate majors between broadcast and print. And, uh, okay. I just said, okay, you know, I, I was a military and an educator's kid. So it's the, the yes, sir, to, to pretty much everything when you know that these people know more than you do. And, um, as I slowly started getting more and more into the classes, I started kind of coming out of my shell, finding myself and, uh, got lucky that I had opportunities with our sports information department. I was the voice of our women's D1 volleyball program for three of the four years that I was there. And I certainly found a love for it. Um, but it wasn't ever anything I paid special attention to of, I specifically wanted to do play by play. I mean, look, I, I morphed over the years from thinking, okay, I'm in broadcasting, maybe I'll do studio hosting, you know, that'll be fun. I can anchor, that'll be great. Uh, and then got the opportunity to do live play by play. And I loved it. And then got the opportunity to do live sidelines. And I initially balked. And then my dad pretty much, you know, called me out on it and told me I needed to give it a shot. And I fell in love with that too. Um, I graduated, I had no idea what direction I would take that in or, or, or where I would go with it. I knew I wanted yeah. to stay in live events. Um, right. Okay. You, you, you kind of feel that passion with certain avenues that clicks more than others and doing live events certainly clicked more than being in a studio and, and, you know, filming stuff. But you know what, Melanie, you, you experienced, you were willing to experience and try different roles. And I, and I tell the students all the time that you may think you want to do play by play, but you end up producing or directing. It's, it, it, it's, I think it's always beneficial to try a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. Do not at all approach any of this with an open mindset. Because again, I didn't want to touch sideline reporting. And now I've fallen in love with it because I said yes. Um, yeah. It's not that I was closed off to play by play. It just hadn't fully entered my realm. And I think representation matters because I think that's why I never thought of play by play was just you don't see a lot of women doing it. So I never felt dejected yeah. or that I couldn't do it. I, I just hadn't thought about it. Um, and up until I landed in Mobile, halfway through the 2014 season thinking, you know, my career was over before I got this phone call that I could join them. Um, and Justin Baker, who credit to him for the rest of my life, said, I know we brought you in for hosting and pre and post and stuff like that. And that's great. But I'm going to bring you in the booth, too. And again, he was there. So I trusted his judgment, said, OK. And uh, we figured it out from there. But I loved what one of our coaches and, and we actually sat down with Randy Johnson at one point in 2015. And he said, look, when it comes to growing up in this industry, it's a lot like sports mm -hmm. and a guy might want to be a big league manager and he might be managing at double A, but that's not to say if he gets a pitching coach opportunity at triple A, he's going to turn it down because the title changes. No, because at the end of the day, he's still moving up. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know the direct path to get to your overall goal. Um, so I, I fully agree with you. I think you just, you have to have an open mindset and being able to take any opportunity you can get. Well, Melanie, obviously it goes without saying that it's great to see more and more women getting their chances to do play-by-play. -play. The odds of making it to the big leagues for anyone is very, very tough. It is enormous odds to overcome, uh, but even tougher for women, let's be honest here. And how, do, how did you get by that? Was it simply just focusing on what you were trying to accomplish and believing in yourself? Honestly, it's, it's about being where your feet are. 
uh, it, this sounds so crazy when I look at the trajectory here. And I love too, that people who look at my career from the outside say, Oh, she spent a year in the Carolina leagues. And then she woke up in the bigs. I'm like, I've been doing this since 2009. This, this yeah. was not an overnight <laughs> journey, but I, I started February of 2019 unemployed. And, and it was the first time I, and bless my parents. I have put them through the ringer because none of us knew I didn't come from a broadcasting family. So they didn't know what this journey would entail. Right. Um, but it was the first time I've had some other people say, you know, maybe you should look at a different part of the industry, but it was the first time my parents had actually said, you know, I, I think it's time you, you figure out something else. And my brain was like, there, there is nothing else apart right. from going back to college. There, there's nothing else. And then I, th Salem. I think we've all been there. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I for sure. And I think you have to have those moments, honestly. Um, it, it's it's a test of your faith and how much you want it and how much you believe in yourself. And, and I will add to that that some people have been faced with those moments and have changed career paths. And kind of similar to what we touched on, they end up finding something that they love more. You know, they go to the mm -hmm. PR, the marketing side, and they thrive. And um, it does make me really happy to see those chance moments happen. But for the first time, my parents had, had told me to step away. And then I got lucky that Salem called, you know, changes happened very, very quickly. Spring training was already underway. I did my interview in the car in a parking lot before I went to go work a game for statistics. So did and, they just uh, call, you were sitting in your car and they just called and game on? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had thought I was going back to double A Frisco and then found out the same week pitchers and catchers reported they were making budget cuts and they were going down to a one man booth. And, and I very suddenly did not have a job. Um, I was still waiting to hear back from a different job opportunity. Emma Tiedemann, who is now the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs, she had also applied for that opportunity. And she called me and said, you know, did you hear back from them? I, I haven't heard anything, but I'm starting to hear that they've made a hire. I said, well, I didn't even get an email. So I'm assuming I'm a no. <laughs> and, and called back within five minutes. And she said, you'll never believe this. The guy who just took the Salem job is now going to turn around and take this other job instead. So she knew I didn't have a job. And, and I wasted no time getting in contact with Salem and said, look, you know, I want to be here. I grew up in this organization. I, I can I can cover spring training for you guys. Like I'll I'll do anything that I can, and uh, yeah, they called me back while I was sitting in a in a strip mall parking lot, and it was just it was a perfect fit. But I remember at one point last season, I've been so focused, and you hear from outsiders all the time, you're going to be in the big leagues in no time, and it was working with one of our pitchers in 2015 that really taught me you have to block out all. I know they have best intentions but stop listening to how great people tell you that they think you are because all it does is stress you out about looking ahead instead of looking at where you are. Right. And even if it's the minor leagues, we're lucky we get to do that. Some people will never even get a minor league opportunity. Very true. Um, so it, it changed, it changed that for me. And, and really between 2018 and 2019, I started to stop and just enjoy where I was at to by the time last year at Salem, they had this insane turnaround from literal franchise worst to clinching the playoffs, going up to nothing in the series. I mean, it was just this unbelievable experience that I knew that the general manager loved me and that whole front office was very welcoming. And they said, look, we want you to be in Salem as long as we can possibly keep you here. Wow. And that doesn't happen very often either, where in the minor leagues, you get that open-ended door to, to keep a job. You know, a lot of them do go from a year to year basis, but sure. 
I took that and fully convinced myself that I, I would actually be happy if I was a if I was a minor league lifer. You know, I've I've met several amazing voices who have spent their entire career with a minor league franchise, and I finally understood why and saw the beauty and the intimacy of minor league baseball, knowing that you don't get that with any other sport at any other level. And, and so I was happy. And, and so it really caught me off guard that a year later in mid-February, once again, except for this time I had a job already, that Baltimore called and, and it was just this casual discussion of philosophy of broadcasting, philosophy of baseball, where's it going? What do the fans want? And, you know, maybe I'd get a dozen fill-in games, not sure of the role, but I could stay with Salem and pop out for a couple games. You know, I managed that last year with Salem. And then all of a sudden, you know, got an email back after we met, and it was a full season. It was a full-time role. And Let's talk a little bit about philosophies because you mentioned that, uh, Melanie. What is your philosophy in the booth? Are you uh, a straight play-by-play -play person? Do you like to tell the stories? What do you think the listeners want to hear? It's the stories. I mean, you can't skip the play-by-play, -play, obviously, especially on the radio side of things, which right. is my mainstay with play-by-play. -play. Um, so my focus really this year, um, because I'm, I'm way far from being a finished product, is simplifying the play-by-play, -play, you know, using less words to be more accurate about what's going on. But in simplifying it, it buys you more time between pitches to tell the stories. I think for a while, especially with the peak commerce trade of the mid 90s, sports really kind of became dehumanized. These people got put on pedestals and it was numbers and flash. And, you know, of course you had the McGuire and the Sosa run and you, you had some of those experiences that really led to these larger than life situations. But I think what we're realizing now is we got too far away from it. I think there was an outcry on the inside to, to be portrayed in a little more of a realistic light. And I've seen it too. And Again, with social media, that changes the game a lot because it does give athletes a voice that they didn't get to have before. But that being said, there's still a much larger outlet to give them a further voice for people to understand what they've been through, what they've experienced. And, and I've really delighted in the trust that they've given mm. me because it's a big responsibility because if you tell these stories and you get them wrong, it's worse than if you didn't tell them at all. So it's a process. And of course, it's been harder this year because we haven't gotten to meet these athletes in person, of course. It's right. first year job with the new team and, and everything gets shut down three days in. But, sure. you know, they've, they've sat down over the phone to have coffee and to just talk about not baseball. And I think those are those moments that I really delight in and then getting to take them later now that we are in a game situation and sharing them again and letting people know, you know, you had to go home during COVID. Well, so did these athletes. Right. You know, they're, they're experiencing at-home teaching for the first time. And we've had several, especially with our international players, who have gone through so much heartache and really having to, to pull stuff out and that this is so much more than them. It's, it's making sure that their family has a way to live. And, and it's bringing those moments out that, uh, that make it a new game every day because there's always going to be a different storyline that you can pursue and bring out for fans. Melanie, you you know you've gone from Mobile, you've uh, gone to Frisco, Salem, obviously, and now onto the Baltimore Orioles. And we got to talk about this. I'm sure along the way you've you've experienced sexism. How did you overcome it? And and equally as important, how did you help the people around you overcome it? This is a tough one um, because you definitely deal with it on a day to day basis. 
I, I feel fortunate in some regards that in my family, once I chose baseball broadcasting as my past, I was never told that it was weird or, you know, are you sure? And it, the, the are you sure is kind of came more about the fact that our industry is the Wild West than the fact that I was an anomaly as a female. But life isn't fair. And I hate that expression, but it's so very true. I don't think at the time I realized that the way that I was sometimes treated was as egregious as it actually is, but you, you grit through it. And I think the biggest help that I've given and that people have given me is that luckily we've found a way to network between other females and to reach out to each other. And I mean, two of my best friends, one lives in New York and one lives in California, but over the last five years, we've gotten each other through a lot of stuff, even if it's just being a sounding board for each other and, and letting each other know that it's going to be okay and giving each other a reason to have a spine. Because I've also unfortunately found in this industry too, sometimes speaking up costs you your job. And that is a, a gross statement to even make, but it's something that I've lived. Um, yeah, so yeah. then, then it's, it's a matter of really not entrusting that the people above you necessarily are always going to step up and react the way you hope. But that means it's time to empower yourself and to speak up for yourself and to set those boundaries and to have the voice to tell people that you directly engage with. You don't, you don't tolerate that treatment or that language. Um, I wish right. that I'd had the spine that I have now back in 2015. <laughs> but it, again, you know, you, you grow through all of these things and there's so many more people who are helpful, who want to see you succeed than there are who want to shut you down. And I feel fortunate as well that our society has started to evolve into minimizing really the number of people who don't behave as they should, um, especially when it comes. And, and again, like nothing, this is so hard to classify. I, I think the behavior towards me was more negative than sexualizing. So it, it does change that as well. Um, I, I certainly have dealt with people who have who have behaved in a more sexual manner. That's absolutely not acceptable. But right. just the the ugly side of of trying to convince me that I don't belong and, and using some very terse language constantly to to try to tell me that I don't belong. Um, but you stick to your guns and that inner circle that that serves as your sounding board and serves as your support and serves as that reminder that you have a higher calling. And, and you're not here to succeed for anybody else but yourself at the end of the day. You, you succeed in spite of some people, um, not, yeah. not because of them. Melanie, I, I was looking through your background on your resume and, and, and I found some really good areas of experience besides play-by-play -play, uh, that, that was on there. You did sales and hosting work at a local TV station. You talked about media relations. You were a coordinator in the Arizona Fall League. You've handled PR duties for social media with and, and, and social media with teams. How important was it for you to gain this valuable experience in all of the, the, these other areas? I, I talk to the kids all the time about you want to have a well-rounded resume, not just play-by-play. -play. Did all of this help you, especially the sales part? Oh my gosh, it's tremendous. And it's not even from a standpoint of look how well-rounded my resume is. It's the fact that this was something I learned in college was when you see an organization from the inside out, your overall understanding improves tenfold. And I think that also displays in broadcasting because if you show up and that's all you ever do is broadcasting, you lose so much, I think, respect and the ability 
to really present what it takes for sports to exist in the first place. You know, none of these people just get to show up and do their job. And the thing is, if, if you're not in the bigs, which nobody again, wakes up in the bigs, <laughs> you're not providing a service by broadcasting. I hate to say it, but it doesn't add monetary value to most organizations that you're a broadcaster. So then you have to start looking at, okay, how do I, how do I physically literally bring value to this team? How do I make an impact in this team's bottom line? Because especially right now when we're staring at contraction for minor league baseball, it drives the point home even further. You have to be able to help them out. This is a grassroots organization. You have to give more than what you're doing. So with Mobile in particular, and I'll give this example, we had to make a minimum of 75 cold calls a day in addition to managing our existing clients. Wow. Um, I, had a, I had a minimum sales expectation of $5,000. Um, I exceeded that. I hit $28,000. I sold the franchise's largest group sales in their history, which That's awesome. I'll always have. Thank you. I always have the, like, that little sales feather in my cap for that but so it was, it was getting into the office seven, eight o'clock in the morning, handling sales duties, making sure that I met my quota, making sure that everything was on top of it. And then diving into graphics, running social media. I had to coordinate who was singing the national anthem that night, who our promotions girls and boys were that night, who were going to be working at the ballpark, what promotions and what innings will those be run in? Um, do we have a community event that day? Who's the mascot? If the mascot's already booked because all of our performers were also scholarship college performers so if the college had a thing you know that that took precedent so if they weren't the mascot I was the mascot you know and how <laughs> long are we having to do that um and then going in from there and and pre-record the pregame for radio and then going out on the field and doing on-field hosting and then after the top of the seventh inning going up in the booth for the final you know inning and a half two innings of work just to to get some exposure on the radio side of things and you probably and you haven't even seen the game to that point and you have no idea what's <laughs> going on right and, you, and all of a sudden you're just in the booth and let's call the game <laughs> oh well see so that was the thing is maybe i was a little bit of a, a madman at that point but i i vigilantly watched the game like a hawk and then it was just between innings, making sure all of the props we needed for whatever we were about to do were ready. You know, what side of the concourse of the field were we about to run out on? And um, so it was a lot of multitasking. My my health tracker was really happy with the steps that I took back in okay. the day. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, and you're exhausted, and then you get a 2 a.m. tarp call because Mobile's the rainiest city in America. That was a blast. And then you got to go back at 6 a.m. to take it off the field because otherwise it'd get too hot and it would burn the field. <laughs> um, it's it was it was a grind. And I remember working into my deal with them, the ability to travel to Arizona because we were Diamondbacks affiliate for spring training. Mm -hmm. And because of the time difference, it meant agreeing to waking up at 5 a.m. so that I could still get in my sales calls and then go to the ballpark and also be able to do some of our minor league coverage as well. So it just wow. it really it never stopped. Um, but again, you bring out that well-rounded side on your broadcast when you know what it takes for these people to really be able to host a game. And the more skills that you have and the more willing you are to be a team player, that just presents you to so many other people. That's what sold Baltimore on means the fact that I was willing to do every single role. And I've had so long people have said, well, you have to choose. You know, it's play-by-player sidelines. Nobody does both. 
Baltimore liked that. They liked that. I said, look, I don't really want to have to choose. If there's a day where you want me to be a digital host for something, I'd love to do it. And if a series works out that I'm sidelined, great. If I can jump in and do play-by-play, the next series, let's do it. Um, right. So it's kind of crazy to, to have watched it finally grow up through the minor leagues and have a major league team take advantage of that. But you just you have to think about more than just yourself when you're pitching for these jobs. Yeah, and you've seen all aspects. And, and what you've done very, very well, Melanie, as it appears to me just talking to you here, is you've seen it from the team standpoint. And that's what I try to get the students to think. It's not all about you. It's it's almost in the minor leagues in, in so many ways. It's almost as if play-by-play is the reward for doing everything yes. else that you have to do in the organization. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that. How is an industry, Melanie, can we create more play-by-play opportunities for women? I think it's just encouraging. Um, and that starts at the collegiate level and yeah. just letting them know that, yes, the representation is a little smaller right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a part of it in the long haul. It's crazy to me because I've become really good friends with the other four women who are broadcasting in the minor leagues. And of course, Jenny Kavnar and Susan Waldman, who are up here in the bigs, I, I adore yeah. them beyond words. But um, for as small of a fraternity as it is, it's not to say that, you know, we obviously want more people to be involved. You know, we want to see everybody. Yeah. And I think, too, the other half of that is you have to remove every non qualifier that every job has been holding on to for so long. I, I, I still don't understand why gender is a box we check on job applications. That, that shouldn't matter. Good, good point. Um, yeah, good point. If, if you're qualified, you're qualified and that's it. And honestly, there were a lot of applications when they finally started providing the third box that says, you know, prefer not to answer. I clicked that. I, I shortened it to Mel instead of Melanie because it just neutralized my name a little bit. I mean, I had a friend and she works for Girls on the Run now, but she also worked for the Rays and for Iron Man. Her parents named her and all three of her sisters and her brother gender neutral names on purpose because okay. they didn't want their kids to ever have any bias. But I think you, you remove race, you remove sexual orientation, you remove gender from these roles. That's on employers to stop looking at these non-qualifiers and look at the body of work. You know, does the work speak for itself? Yep. And particularly with radio, I, it goes a step further where it shouldn't matter. If the voice you hear on the other side is is great and it stays on top of the game and it connects to fans, it doesn't matter what the person attached to the voice looks like or how they operate. It, it's just, you know, the, the work is the work. So it's just, it's not being daunted. And if play-by-play -play is something that truly calls to you, then pursue it. Um, and at the same note, if you're hiring anybody in a media role, stop throwing out the applications. It's not a Tinder account. Stop just swiping left because what you initially see off the bat, you know, isn't something that you want to see and start looking at what people are actually bringing to the table. Uh, it's, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but it is that easily said. Melanie, final question for the women listening to the podcast today. Um, undoubtedly you'll become a role model for each and every one of them. What, what would you say to them as they embark on their careers, maybe just beginning their careers in college and looking to get themselves in a position to be hired a year, two, three years down the road? Be a rookie everywhere you go. It doesn't matter how many years you start accumulating on your resume. Every time you have a new job, walk in as the rookie and understand that you don't know everything. 
and understand that, yeah, you could have worked in minor leagues for six years and this is another minor league team, but they're all different. And you have to give respect to the fact that they have their own unique identities. That's what makes sports so great is every single team at every level is so different from each other. And also throw out the five-year plan. Um, I thought I'd be married with kids in the big leagues by the time I was 25 and <laughs> I'm closing in on my 30th birthday and have just now made it to the bigs. And once you throw out that plan, it's a lot easier to be happy where your feet are. Um, stop comparing yourself. It's so tough for women to not compare themselves to every other female out there, but you just have to stop because everybody has their own path for a reason. And just because somebody gets there before you do doesn't mean that your path is less qualified Then you're not meant to make it. It just means that you have a little more development. You have more stories that you'll get to tell before you get to that role. Um, and embrace it because it's really special. And I look at every time I had 13 big league no's before I finally had the Orioles say yes. And every time I look back at the end of the year and realize how much I've learned, it's that many more opportunities that I've had to grow and to have a more solid foundation. It's, it's limiting how much I'll fail in the big leagues because I've had that many more lessons because those teams said no to me. Um, and, and you look too, and you ultimately realize why other people were a better fit. And I think understanding mm -hmm. and appreciating that. And if you get a big league, yes, it's great. But if it's not the right fit, it can really taint that experience for you. And you just have to, and Steve Berthume has told me this and, and I've lived by it for years and you hate it sometimes, but you trust the process and you understand that if yeah. you know your worth you know what you bring to the table and you have a relentless desire to get better every single day. Even when you finish and you feel like you had a great broadcast, there's always something that you can build upon for the next day. You have to have that taste and that drive to never stop. Um, because I think the moment that you sit back and you feel like you're, you're good, you know, there's nothing else for you to work on. That's where your career dies, and it doesn't matter what level you're at. It it stops regardless because other people respond to it. So know your worth, be willing to grow, and uh, just be open-minded to to everything. From East Cobb Baseball's uh, league in suburban Atlanta to the big leagues with the Baltimore Orioles, a rising star in the sports broadcasting business for sure. Melanie Newman, thanks so much for being our guest here on Sports Booth. No, thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope everyone had as much fun as I did hearing Melanie's story. She made so many great points and suggestions for young broadcasters. Having the drive to never stop. Never stop working hard. Never stop getting better. Never stop learning and never stop willing to help an organization. You know, she talked about seeing the organization from the inside out, something we discussed during episode 20. Knowing what the team expects from you, the broadcaster, and how you can play that to your advantage. And being the rookie, don't assume that you know everything because you don't. Learn and be humble along the way. Don't forget, if you have any questions regarding our podcast or sports broadcasting in general, email us at pxpquestions at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SportsBoothPod1. Thanks again to Baltimore Orioles play-by-play -play broadcaster Melanie Newman. And thanks to you for listening. We'll talk again next time on another edition of Sports Booth.